Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Come on, that's enough for me. Let's give it up for Jesus in this building. Come on, let's lift up his name. He's the fearless one, amen? Amen, amen. Well, what a, what a beautiful uh, church, and I'm, uh, I'm glad to be in Louisiana. You've given me uh, my greatest gift, my wife. And my wife is from, um, she's from this area. Her dad was here for a long time, and her whole family, they are Lake Charles, Shreveport, and uh, Baton Rouge. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Trying to get it all down. No one from O-Town yet, but <laughs> hey, it's good to be with you today. My name is Jeremy. Uh, I'm all the way from L.A. I, I am really from California. A lot of people that come there aren't from there, and most people are leaving there to get out <laughs> as fast as they can. But uh, when you're called there, you called there for people. And, uh, and so God knew our name of our church was going to be Fearless. He knew that was the name, the name that he would give us. We, we, me and my wife, we struggled with fear most of our life. In fact, the first time I preached, I was scared out of my mind. And my wife, first time she sang, she was scared out of her mind. And we see a quote from Oswald Chambers that said, a scared world needs a fearless church. And that quote just jumped off the page to us when we were trying to name our church. And we said, we might as well name our church something that makes the devil angry that he lost. And so we've called it Fearless Church. Since then, we've seen that verse, 1 John 4, that says, perfect love cast out all fear. For much of my life, I've just tried to take on that quote, right? You know, face fear and it will go away. Just keep facing it, facing it. But I, I learned from my Bible that it actually calls us to face Jesus, perfect love. And then he over my shoulder kicks fear out of the room. And the more I step towards love, the more fear has to leave. And so we just say, love more, fear less. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this crew. I thank you for this, uh, this wild bunch over here in O-Town, just loving you, hungry for you. I can tell by their hunger, God, Lord, most people aren't in church anymore. They've settled for a different kind of Christianity one alone, one by themselves, But Lord, this group of people said, Lord, we know you are creating a family and we're here for the family, God, and we're here to grow together. Iron sharpening iron. God, I pray today that you would use me as a vessel to reach someone here, God, someone maybe even older than me or someone who's been through more than me. God, Lord, you would just pour through me today, God. And Lord, we would walk out of this place, not walking, but floating in your presence, God. We would, would walk out of this place, God, ready, God, to take on the life that you've put us in. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, I am living in L.A., but I am not really from L.A. Uh, I am from, thank you, you were so beautiful playing back there. I, I, it was just like amazing. Uh, Come back up at the end, man. We'll have some time at the end. Thank you. 
How awesome was the worship team today? Um, can we take a second also to, to honor your senior leaders, uh, you know, Pastor Jacob and Miss Michelle? Can we just take a second just to honor them and the vision they have for doing this? I heard, uh, you know, and, and even the people, the hundred people that would drive an hour, 45 minutes, say 45 minutes, I think that's an hour, uh, you know, over to the other campus for, for a, a whole year to believe for this to be birthed here Man, what an awesome, uh, what an awesome vision that God had to put this campus. This, be- I mean, th- this is amazing, guys. This is all- look at this beautiful in your city in O Town to say our our campus, our church is one of the most beautiful buildings in our whole city. Come on, what a what a what a credit to God. What a credit to your pastors. And uh, just meeting Nick and and his, I can't wait to meet your wife. And and uh, man, what an awesome thing God's doing. We, we, uh, we are in LA, but we're not from there. I call it Lost Angeles because I'm usually lost there. In fact, uh, you know, most people there think I'm Jesus. Uh, you know, they, they, uh, I met this homeless guy recently and he came up to my window and there's a lot of homeless in our city. Um, and, uh, they're our neighbors. And, and, and so uh, they usually will come up and ask for money or whatnot. And so a guy came up to my, I was driving a truck because I'm not, I'm not from LA. I just live there. And so, uh, you know, I'm from a place called Galt, California. This is Northern Cal, a different part of California that you don't hear about. This is where they make the fruit and the nuts, you know? And, uh, and so we grew up on acres and land and I I raised pigs and, and had horses and cows and we shot guns in our backyard at cans, you know, y'all shoot pheasants, we, we shoot cans. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's where I'm from, big trucks, you know, tacos and big trucks. That's, that's where, where it was at. And, and so, you know, God calls me to, to lost. And I just want to tell you, first of all, God has a good sense of humor. He called this country boy to the center of the city. And our church is literally in the middle of LA. It's in downtown LA. I said, God, never LA. (laughs) Take me to the country. And God said, we're going to LA. I said, okay, as long as you just don't send me to downtown LA. And so our church is literally in downtown LA. In downtown LA, we were living and, and a homeless guy came up to my car and it was knocking on the window. And so I opened the window and, and I didn't know what he was going to ask. I figured he's going to ask for money. He said, tell me it's you. I said, it's me. <laughs> I don't know who he was meeting, but I was there. And he said, I can't believe this. I'm going to tell all my friends. I was sitting right over here. I was asking Jesus to come meet me. And here you are in a Toyota Tundra. I said, get in and follow me. I will make you a fisher of men. Our church uh, for the first we're eight years old now. For the first seven years, we met in nightclubs. And so I just figured, hey, we didn't have a church building. We didn't have any equipment. So uh, if we went to the high school, we didn't have stuff to set up. So I just found someone that already had it, the nightclub. And uh, I said, we're trying to reach lost people, and they're not afraid to come to the nightclub. We can just go invite them from the night before, and they can come the next morning. And so 
I went and found the nightclub in our city, and I, I said, this is a good place for a church. The nightclub owner laughed at me uh, when I told him. He said, do you see that thing over there? I said, that? He goes, I said, is that a pole? He goes, that's a pole. You know what we do on that pole, right? That's not a fireman's pole. I said, well, we got something that kind of looks like a pole. It's a cross. We'll just put a beam across, and we'll ask no one to climb up on it. And so, so I, I left, he laughed at me, said, ne- you'll never have church here. And on the side of the building, when I got to the other side of the street, it said on the side of the, the nightclub, prayer changes things. And this old sign that was kind of washed away. And so I looked it up on Google and I found out that that nightclub used to be a church. So I emailed him. I said, that's kind of hypocritical. You turned a church into a nightclub. And you're saying I can't turn a nightclub into a church. I said, give me a shot. And so he let us come there one time. And since then, for seven years, we ended up in seven different nightclubs all over L.A., Hollywood. Um, We've we seen God move in crazy ways. One of the nightclubs that we ended up in downtown, um, the owner would watch on cameras in the room um, that were just the, 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 the security cameras because he was just confused why a church would be in his nightclub. And um, I wasn't confused because people were getting saved. Security guards were getting saved. People were turning their lives around. They said, man, I didn't feel comfortable going into church, but man, I, I was just here last night. So I thought, why not? <laughs> and uh, the, the, the owners watched on the security cameras and they said, uh, the owner said, man, I was sitting in my office and I heard a voice that said, go tell your wife, sorry. And I said, that's one of the greatest miracles that's ever happened in our church. A husband telling his wife, sorry, amen. Praise God, husbands, I don't. Hey, we, we got, my wife has three kids. My wife has four kids and I have three. I'm my wife's fourth kid, amen, praise God. And so he went and told his wife, sorry. I guess they were on the edge of divorce. Their marriage is saved from this moment. And so he comes to the staff meeting the next day and says, we have to have that church here every week. So before that, we were traveling around doing the nightclub tour. Every week, you wouldn't know where we're at. Hey, we're here. We're over here. And so they said, you're going to be here every week. So we were in that nightclub for for six of those seven years. And uh, when I used to preach, they had this giant, uh, you have an LED screen back here. They had a statue big Buddha statue over here. They had all these different pictures around the room. We'd have to cover up, you know, there was a condom machine in the kids ministry that wasn't helping grow our families. Amen. Uh, but when we were there, all that stuff began to disappear. And I met with the owner and I said, what, what happened to Buddha? And he said, we don't need Buddha in here. We don't need these things in here because we have your Jesus now bringing Come on, somebody. That's out of the mouth. I know this is radical, but we called our church fearless. Hey, Amen. you ready for the word? Yeah, let's jump in. Uh, I, want, I want to read from John chapter 4, verse 46 uh, through 54. I want, I want to read right there. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to read something to you in Isaiah. So go ahead and turn there, and I'm going to read something to you in Isaiah. Isaiah 54, 2 says, clear lots of ground. I feel like this is a prophetic word for you today. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive in the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. 
You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. Come on, touch somebody and say, don't hold back. Wow. You're not going to be embarrassed. You will forget all about the humiliations of your youth. Your maker, his name, God of the angel armies, your redeemer, the holy one of Israel, known as God of the whole earth. I don't know who that's for today, but I want to tell you whatever you thought is over and done and finished and you thought you failed at, I want to tell you today, failure is not final. Whatever happened then was just the college and the degree for you to move on in Jesus. It is your testimony. I don't know who I'm speaking to, who started a business, who believed for something, and you thought 2020 washed it out. I'm telling you, it was clearing our vision. 2020 was the year of vision, just clarified vision. You know, every pastor was pre 2020, we're going to get vision. And then the pandemic hit. And they were like, well, he missed that one. No, God was removing the planks from our eyes. God was resettling us. He was shifting us. We couldn't move forward into the vision that God has for us unless we cleared some room. Somebody say clear some room. I want to preach a message simply entitled today, the seventh hour. The seventh hour. Somebody say the seventh hour. Clear some room in the seventh hour. Clear some room in the seventh hour. John chapter four, verse 46. It says, One more, once more, he visited Canaan in Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. Come on, somebody praise God right there. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Verse 47, when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son. That's just a side note right there. When they hear that Jesus is in the house, you won't need a flyer. You won't need a guest speaker. You won't need an event. You won't, when, they, when he heard, all we got to do is, is make sure God feels comfortable in this house. And God will draw all men into this place. And that's what he's already doing. Amen. Amen. When he heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went there and he begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Then Jesus turns to this man who's begging him to heal his son. You picture this moment. Jesus is preaching. He's in the house. Someone travels for miles, is not a part of the church. They have a need. And Jesus so kindly looks at this man and, of course, prays for him, heals his son, gives him what he needs. Well, that's not what the Scripture says. What does the Scripture say? Verse 48, he says, unless you people, excuse me, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. Now, now you didn't understand that Jesus and this man were of two different cultures. I tell my, my Hispanics and my African-American and my Asian people in our church, can you imagine if I, in a time of need, told you, unless you people, pastor, we love you, you're our pastor, <laughs> excuse me? You need to go back and get some sleep, Pastor. You need, you, something's wrong with you. 
Jesus gives this moment of offense, this opportunity to the man to see if his heart is ready for a miracle. Because God has good seeds, but if there's rocks there, the seeds can't grow. So God says, unless you people, and the man, verse 49, the royal official doesn't even acknowledge it. Sir, come down there before my child dies. Jesus replied, see, he was checking the soil. You passed the test. You may go. Your son will live. And the man took Jesus at his word. Come on, somebody's taking Jesus at his word today. And he departed from there while he was still on his way. I don't know if I came to talk to the right crew. I'm looking for some people that are still on their way. They, they, heard, they heard a word from God, and they're still on their way. His, servants, his servant met him while he was still on the way with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired to him as of what time his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh. Clear some room in the. Then the father realized that was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. We'll find out later that this man actually went on to strike a revival in his whole city. The seventh hour. I want to talk to you a second about the seventh hour, if that's okay. Because I, I believe that God's seventh hour is on your life right now. I just want you to, if you don't believe me, that's okay. You don't have to clear room, but I'm just telling you, clear some room because God is, his word does not return void. Just as the rain comes down and waters the earth and plants grow, his, his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the God of angel armies. I don't know if you know this, but but he doesn't have any bolder, bolder elders. He doesn't have any boss. He doesn't have anyone he has to check with. When he says it, it's done. When he says it, you, you're still standing on the planet that he formed when he spoke. And the only thing he touched and didn't speak about was man. When he formed man, he formed him with his hand. Then he filled him. That same breath of God is in you. Be careful what you speak about. Make sure what you speak about lines up with what he's already saying over you. Come on, I'm here to declare the seventh hour over myself. I'm here to say, God, the seventh hour is when walls fall. The seventh hour is when giants die. The seventh hour is when seas split. The seventh hour is when the barren give birth, where murderers become preachers, where devils run, where cancer hides, where anxiety goes for every door, where racism is silenced, where fear runs for the exit, where love abides. The seventh hour is what faith that moves mountains and peace that stops storms and dead rise and spiritual awakening happens. The seventh hour is where prayer multiplies food. I, I don't know if you understand, but when you're in the seventh hour, you got to move. When you're in the seventh hour, you got to clear. When you're in the seventh hour, you got to get ready because God is up to something. 
praise God for the seventh hour over the church. Some say this is the end of the church. I say it's the beginning. See, there's something that comes after death, burial. It's called resurrection. Who will believe that with me for a second? Come on, you ought to take 15 seconds and praise the Lord for the seventh hour over your life. You ought to receive it with power and passion. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We didn't die in the sixth hour or the fifth hour. And this man, the Bible says he was still on his way. He received a word from Jesus that wrecked his world. I received a word from the one who was healing dead people, raising them up. He was healing lepers. It wasn't just anybody who said it. It was Jesus. Your son will live. And he believed that. He was convicted by it. He was so convicted, it drove him on a journey. He had a word from the Lord. He was consumed with it. He was burning with it. And he went to go take it to his son. Some of us are carrying a word for somebody else right now. God gave you a word that, that they're going to come back. God gave you a word that they're going to be transformed. God, and you've been carrying that. The word wasn't even for you, but now you are a vessel of the word. I'm just here as a vessel of the word. And he's carrying this word. Sometimes when you carry a word, it has to carry you. And he's walking with this word. And the Bible says while he was still on his way. I just want to pause for a second for those who are still on their way. You see, this journey that, that he was on w w was so far, 25 miles at that time through treacherous mountains and, 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 and valleys. And, and, you know, David, what he said about the valley, he said it's the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, places where robbers would, would, would try to take you out. He, he was going to have to travel with the word. He was going to have to traverse through land and territory that, that he was not used to. And, and, and if it was 25 miles to his destination, he would have had to go through the night. He would have had to set up camp on the in-between. The Bible says while he was still on his way, I don't know who's here today. I don't know how long it, go, it was that God gave you a word. I, I, know, I know when I say it today, it's just a reminder of the word. And, and sometimes while you're still on your way, that word kind of dies in you. And, and sometimes a seed has to die before it can birth something. And, 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 and I just want to tell you, there's something about the dirt of the in-between. There's something about the manure of the in-between that unlocks the seed. So, so don't be afraid of the dirt. Just don't let the dirt get in your heart. And he was on the in-between. He was, he, he was on his way. He was still on his way. Whatever you got to do, just keep moving forward. That's what this tells us today. Whatever you got to do, if, if you used to be running with the word, praise God. But maybe now you're jogging with the word. And maybe your jog went to a rock. And maybe your walk went to a crawl. And maybe your crawl went to a scoot. And maybe your went to a roll. Whatever you got to do, keep moving forward. No matter how slow you're moving now, it's not about the speed. It's about it's about the position. I'm moving forward on his word. I don't need another word from Jesus. I don't need another sign from Jesus. His first word was enough. 
His first, I don't need, I don't need to pass it on the freeway and see a sign. I don't need a prophet to prophesy. I already have the greatest prophet. He told me, he promised me, and I'm going to keep on. If you hear anything I say today, hear this. Keep moving forward. Keep going on his word. Keep believing. But he was alone. There was no one with him. There was no church to encourage him. There was no friends to stand by him. He was alone. See, God will make you carry that word alone. No one else received it. You can't get it from man because you started with God. What started with God, don't let it be now encouraged by just man. Let that word burn in you. God spoke it. I still believe it. But sometimes that camping in the in-between, it's nice in the day. Things look okay. I'm not fearful in the day, but when it turns night, have you ever camped on the in-between? Not where you used to be. Not really where you want to be. I had a word, but I don't know if I believe that word right now. Because it's dark out. And it's funny how things in the dark sound different. You hear a rustle in the light, no fear. But in the dark, it's funny how in the dark, the devil will come right up to your tent. He'll start saying, are you sure that was God? I mean, I don't know if you've done enough right to earn. Have you gone fast enough? You failed a few times here. This will ne- he's probably going to stay dead. It's in this place in the dark. He'll, he'll give you visions contrary to what God already spoke to you. It's funny how in these moments, at least for me, sometimes I start believing his word over his word. See, you need to understand that the devil doesn't rule from a throne. He rules through a throne. God left you with the authority on this earth. He took it from the devil, the prince of the air, and he gave it to the kings of this earth. He took me from a peasant to a king. He he gave me rulership and owner. Look, the garden wasn't just about Adam getting kicked out. Adam had authority in the garden. The enemy stole Adam's authority, his power, his word. His Adam named the animals in the garden. What he named them, they became fly. Eve. Before that, her name was woman. When he gave her the name Eve, which meant mother of all living, she began to produce offspring. Adam had authority in the garden. The devil took his authority. So what is the devil trying to do? He's trying to rule not from a throne, but through a throne. So he whispers in my tent, so I'll speak it out in my environment. Be careful what you allow into your head. Be careful what voices, and it may sound like God. It may even kind of sound like scripture, but it's not. Remember the devil tried to fight Jesus with scripture, but it was scriptures with pieces taken out. And what did Jesus do? He sought him back with scripture. He opened up a can of doot on him, Deuteronomy. He, he Still on my way. 
I'm still on my way. And what do we do in that in between? The Bible says that even young men will grow weary and fall. doesn't matter how much strength you have. Your strength is going to be tested. He says, but those who wait on the Lord, their strength will be renewed. They will, they will walk and not faint. They will run and not grow weary. They will mount up on wings like eagles. Come on, I came to talk to some eagles today. See, I always thought, Pastor, that word to wait meant to just wait. I'm just, I'm just here, Lord. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm here hanging whenever you want to do it. I'm here on the in-between. I'm going to give me a sign. Give me something. I'm waiting, but I'm not being renewed. Well, that word is not to wait like this. It's the word like a waiter. Good to see you, sir. How you doing, God? I'm here on the in-between, but I'm here to serve you. See, see, most, most people stop serving, stop giving, stop, stop being a part of things on the in-between because they're waiting on the Lord to strengthen them. No, my strength comes when I serve the Lord, when I wait on him. Whatever you want, I'm here to serve you. I mean, this is your word in my life, and I know it will be fulfilled when I begin to cultivate the word. And so here he is. Here he is. And as he's here in the middle, maybe about to give up, a servant shows up with a word from the other side. I came just to be that servant today. You know what I'm saying? Hello from the other side. There was a servant from the other side that came running up full of life, full speed as the man is just trying to make it trying to scoot through where he's at, trying to believe again. The servant comes with the completed word of what God already said to him. He comes to confirm what God said already. He knew it was going to happen, but he, he had lost faith, not, not completely, but his faith had grown to the size of a mustard seed. And the servant shows up at the proper moment and he says, sir, you don't have to crawl anymore. You don't even have to scoot. Pack up your tent. This place is temporary because what you've been believing for, what you've been praying for, what you've been crawling to, is already done. It's already done. I came to be that servant today in this church. I came to serve notice on the enemy's voice surrounding your tent. I came to let you know today that what God promised you, God promised you. I came to tell you that what God promised you is already done in Christ Jesus. It is finished. It is over. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't have accidents. God's not worried about the word he gave you. He's fulfilling it. I came just to be that servant to give you a pep in your step. I came to be that servant to say, I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm promising you on the other side, God's promises are yes and amen. They I know it doesn't look like it, but my Bible says eye has not seen and ear has not heard and mind cannot conceive what God has for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you're still on his purpose, baby, keep on moving. You ought to run. 
You ought to pick it up again. It's waiting for you. You're wasting time being depressed. You're wasting time being anxious. You're wasting time on the in-between. Run again. Believe again. I came to give you a second wind. A second win is when you die in your first win and you feel like it's over and all of a sudden out of nowhere, they can't figure it out in science, but a athlete without injections or pills or anything gets something from heaven that makes him better in his second win than he was in his first. I came to give you a second win today. I came that the Holy Spirit would breathe on that word again today. I just came as a servant. I'm not here to preach to you. I'm here to tell you and remind you of what God already preached to you. And he says, servant, when did it happen? Before we take off running, before, before I hug him, before I see him, before I get to experience all that God promised. Tell me when it happened. Had, had to have happened in probably in the first, you know, like the eighth hour, somewhere in there I was, I was running and I was excited and and I was passionate. I don't think it probably happened in the ninth hour because I got pretty angry at that hour and I was, yeah, saying things I shouldn't have said. Thank God I was alone. No one heard that, I don't think. Maybe the tenth hour. Tenth hour, I, I, I almost quit, but I got back up. And I picked myself up that mountain and on the 10th, it had to happen on the 10th hour because I know God saw me there and he said, I'm giving it to you now. And the servant said, no, no, much earlier. Not the 10th, not the 9th, not the 8th. It was about the 7th hour. Wait a second. 7th hour? The 7th hour? You mean to tell me? You gotta be wrong. It had to be the eighth or the ninth. You mean the seventh? You you mean that was when I was with Jesus? Come to think about it, that was when He said it. So you mean to tell me I didn't earn it? You mean to tell me that I didn't do anything to add? To what he already said? You mean to tell me this whole journey, I could have been running? You mean to tell me I didn't have to camp out on the in-between? You is already done? I could have been celebrating the whole time? You mean my giving, my attendance, my time in prayer didn't do it. You mean how much I fasted didn't change something? My success nor my failure shifted his word? You mean it happened before I paid for it? Before I worked it up? You mean he gave it to me on credit? How did he know I would complete the journey? And wait, there's no way because Jesus said your son will be healed. Did he misspeak? Will should have said is. Your son is healed. Then I would have ran. Then I would have celebrated. 
He said, we'll be. Why will be? Mm. Unless Jesus wasn't talking about the son. Maybe he was talking about me. The son will be healed. Wait a sec. God wasn't making the miracle. He was making the man. Wait a sec. The journey wasn't for the miracle. The journey was making the man. You mean God was done before I started the journey? He will be. Wow. Was it the miracle that saved the city? No, it was the message in the man. God was changing the man. He was forming the man. He was testing the man. See, I need to tell you this. Don't trust anything that hasn't been tested. I just say that just just good good thing for life. Don't trust anything that hasn't been tested and tested and te- look like I, I flew here on the little plane, right? I got the big plane and then they can put me on the little plane. And on that little plane, I heard the guy on the intercom and he sounded like Joey and Joey sounded about like 25. And so I prayed extra. So I don't mind flying, but but I don't like flying with people that are younger than me. I want my pilots like fine wine. I want them older. I want them with some gray hair. I want them to have been doing this for a long time. I want them to have some crash landings. I want them to have some, I want them to, I want them to have made it through a few tests because now I can trust you because you've been tested. Not on me, but you've been tested. When I got off, it was Joey. And I said, thank you, Lord. You don't trust anything that hasn't been tested. We want God to put people on our plane, but yet we haven't been tested. God is allowing the in-between to test the gift of God inside of us. Anything that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Therefore, there has to be a test. There has to be a trial. Every time God speaks, there has to be something that tries to contradict what God has said. Let's say it this way. There has to be a Goliath. What is David without Goliath? How does he become king without Goliath? What is Daniel without the lion's den? What is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego without the fire? What is Jesus without the cross, death, and burial for my sins and resurrection? There has to be a test. God wasn't making the miracle. He was making the man. He was making the man. God is in the process. Someone said it here. God is in the process. I don't know if you're in the process right now, but, but, God, but God has been, he's been forming you. He's been shifting you. He's been shaping you. He, he hasn't been working on the miracle. The miracle was already done. The business, the dream, the vision, the purpose, it's already finished in Christ Jesus. He's making you. He's forming you. And here's the question. Am I passing the test? And the teacher doesn't give tests because he's mad at you. He gives tests because he's trying to graduate you. The teacher's not punishing us. He's trying to pull out the word he's already given us. You already know the answers. 
It's an open book test. But isn't it hard on the in-between to keep believing? Mm. I'm done camping in the in-between without celebration in my heart. I'm I'm done. And look, when you talk to someone that's been through some stuff, do we have anybody that's been through some stuff in here? And if I were to ask you it, hey, would you rather have not been through that? You would pause. You wouldn't say, no, no, I'm good. You know, Loved it. (laughs) But rarely do I meet someone that says, no, take it away. When they've been to the other side. Because they'll say things like, it made me who I am. I have something in me that no one can take away from me. You have that Lazarus kind of anointing at that point. Lazarus. Lazarus, he's sitting at the table reclining and the Pharisees see him and the devil is nervous because he's on the other side of death. His breathing makes the devil tremble. What is Lazarus afraid of? If death couldn't kill him. And what are you afraid of if didn't take you out? Sometimes you ought to throw yourself a party for the fact that you're still here. You're still walking. You're still moving forward. You're still going after the call. It should have killed me and it would have killed somebody else, but it, I'm still. Look, you need to realize we just went through a global pandemic. That was the first time Easter wasn't celebrated worldwide. We couldn't gather, we could, but I'm still here. I made it with my mask and my, I made it just, just, I made it spraying down my, I made it through the other side of this thing and I'm still here. And if I'm still here, the devil lost. He failed. He didn't, I'm still here. He's not making the miracle. I'm the miracle. I'm the miracle. You're the miracle. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? The seventh hour. It's the seventh hour. You can worship in the seventh hour no matter where you're at on the journey. Because if he said it, I believe it. If he said it, I can stand on it. It is my foundation. You know, people say that God was a carpenter. And I believe on the earth he was. But I think God's more like an architect. Because my Bible says, in my mother's womb, he knit me together. He formed me. He saw all the days of my life before one of them came to be. So if he was my designer and former, he was also my architect. So when he designed me, he built things into me that I didn't know I was going to need until I needed them. In my city, there's earthquakes. And they build the buildings with wheels on the bottom of the building. Foundation, then wheels. And the wheels are there so if a shaking comes, the building moves with the shaking and is not crumbled by it. 
You can't see the wheels. I mean, it messed with my mind to think that giant building has wheels on it. What kind of tires are they? You know, I just. <laughs> but they build it with the knowledge of what could come to the land that they're building it on. That's a smart builder. That's a good engineer. And the engineer and the, the architect do that, and they do it with, with passion because at the end of it, they, they've stamped their name on the blueprint. And if it fails, it's not the building's fault. It's the architect that looks bad. See, God built success into you. If, if you fail in the in-between because of the earthquakes that come, it's not you that look bad. His name is on you. You know when they do a car recall and you got to take your car back? They're not doing that because they're nice. They're doing that because their name is on your car. His name is on your life. And he pre-built into you plans. And he knew, he foreknew what things would come and go and who would leave and who would stay and who would hurt and who would wound. And, and he, he didn't stop it. He just prepared you for it. And me still being here is proof that he did that. I don't know who's on the in-between today. But if you are, God is here to tell you, clear lots of ground. Make your tents large. You're going to need room and you're not going to be embarrassed. It's the seventh hour. Come on, would you lift your hands all over this room? God, Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place. We thank you for this time. We thank you, God, for these beautiful people. We thank you for your word that does not return void. We thank you for the servants that are here saying, God, I'm not here waiting like I used to wait. I'm here waiting on you. My worship will wait on you. My giving will wait on you. My heart will wait on you, God. I know it's already done. Come on, say it's already done. It's already done. Come on, say it till you believe it. It's already done. It's already done. If you said it, we believe it. I don't need another word. I don't need another sermon. I have your word, God. I have your promise, God. So, God, I'm going to celebrate on the in-between. <laughs> you know what makes the devil most angry is when you can celebrate in the midnight. When you can worship in the middle. When you can lift up. You know what makes God most most joyful when he, not when he sees you praise, because praise is something you do after God does it. But when he sees you worship, when you worship, it's when you don't see it, when it's not there, when you, when you feel like God's left you and you say, I'll praise him with my broken bones. I'll praise him even though I feel like it's falling apart. I'll praise him anyways. Come on, God's looking for some Joshua praisers. Some people that can shout on this side of the wall. Some people that can shout before God does it. Before you see it, God, I believe. Come on, would you just lift up a, a praise on the in-between, a worship on the in-between. We worship you, God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, God. Thank you the cancer is leaving. Thank you, God, my son's coming home. Thank you, you're restoring my marriage. Thank you that my business is coming back together. Thank you for that word. There you go. He's not working on the miracle. He's working on the man or the woman. He's working on me. God, thank you, Jesus. God never gives you a test. He knows he can't pass through you. God, thank you for the test. Because if it wasn't for the test, I wouldn't be who I am. Thank you for it because I wouldn't have graduated. We've graduated today. Some of you are getting diplomas today. Some of you are getting your cap and gown today. You know what's cool about graduation? Is I never had to take the third grade over. That was a one-time experience. And what you're about to graduate from, you ain't got to take over. With every head bowed and eyes closed, I end with this. The Jesus that I serve, Jesus of this Bible, does not come to make bad people good. He comes to make dead people live. And if you're in this room today and you say, man, I feel dead on the inside. I either never have met the author of life, Jesus, that you're talking about. or I've heard about him in a religious setting, but I, I want to I be introduced to him personally. Or maybe you're here and you, you're like the prodigal son. You walked away and somewhere in your, your moment of life, you came to your senses and said, man, I'm going back to church because I'm so dead inside. There's got to be life there. That Jesus does not have life. He is, the, he is life. And he wants to come live inside of you. He didn't just die for you. He died as you. He died as my sin and my shame. And that's why the father had to turn his face from him. And God said, my father, you've forsaken me. But if he died not just for me, but as me, I also get to live not just for him, but as him. Not physically Jesus, but him flowing through my life. The author of life wants to come live inside. And you're tired of death. You're tired of waking up dead, going to work dead, painting dead dressing dead and you say god i want life would you just lift your hand up on the count of three ready one two three hands are going up all over this room hands are going up i see that hand i see those hands i see these hands i see this whole family i see this hand over here come on good job dad i see this hand over here i see these hands i see these hands i see these we're going to pray together we're going to pray together and i want you to repeat with me would you say this dear jesus today come into my life Forgive me of all my sin. I place my dead flesh on that cross. And I ask that your spirit would come reign in me. Come be my Lord, my Savior, my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate to God today?